Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Zach Scott. Zach, are you ready to do this? I'm ready. Excellent. Let's do this. Zach is a CFP. He is an advisor at BFG Financial Advisors. I'm excited to have you on. Zach, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. So uh, I am a CFP, like you said before, a certified financial planner. Uh, we do at BFG Financial, we do wealth management and financial planning for families. I would say we uh, represent families in just about 30 states across the country. Um, a little bit of on the personal side, I, I'm recently engaged, just bought, uh, just got a Greyhound, mm. and we're, we're starting to train him a little bit and having fun with that. Nice. So out of the universe of dogs, how did you all settle on Greyhound? Well, my fiance and I actually are both graduates of Loyola University, Maryland, and our mascot is conveniently the Greyhound. Ah. So we now say we have three Greyhounds living in our apartment. <laughs> okay. Perfect. 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 <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be ridiculous for you to get any other kind of dog. So now, exactly. now it all makes sense. And what is the dog's name? His name is Gordon. Um, Gordon. We are huge Gordon Ramsay fans. Wow. Binged a bunch of his shows, and my fiance is huge into like the cooking shows and stuff. So, and he's, I think he's hilarious. So, we named him after Gordon Ramsay, but yeah, he is nothing like Gordon Ramsay. He sleeps all day, and uh, you know, that's that's about it. He's like a big cat, he's a little more sedentary <laughs> than uh, than Chef Ramsay. <laughs> that's true, absolutely. <laughs> Hopefully, less <laughs> abrasive when, when, when you bring him dinner or whatever, he doesn't take it and throw it back at you and call you a donkey or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. He eats it all up nice. happily. <laughs> nice. He, yes, he's 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 grateful. Well, good. Well, excellent. So you've been at this for 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 your entire career, and I think you even you even interned in the field. So just tell us a little bit about about your your passion for the industry, when that started, and all that good stuff. Sure. So today, conveniently, is actually my six-year anniversary oh, at BFG. Uh, thank you. Um, and I guess. To start off, how I got started in this field, I was a finance major in college, and uh, when deciding on that, I spoke to a relative of mine, and and she suggested when thinking about choosing your major, you know, choosing something that you find uh, challenging and that you could see not only becoming better at yourself but helping other people in that area. Um, and I personally found like f personal finance was a relatively weak uh, aspect of my family's world. Not to say that we weren't, you know fine and everything, but just in terms of uh, planning finances and, and things of that nature. Um, so that's really why I became a finance major. And then ultimately, um, I was very fortunate to meet my now boss, uh, Eric Brotman, at an Orioles game uh, almost by accident. So um, that got started right then and there, and I became an intern. And before you knew it, I, I took my CFP exam. I'm finally starting to meet with clients on my own as a lead advisor. And I can't tell you a much better feeling than being able to help someone uh, through a difficult situation uh, or even plan for something fun like a goal or an objective like college for your for your child or your next house or retirement or whatever that may be. Um, it's it's definitely a, a, a fulfilling part of my job knowing that I'm, I'm helping people navigate this very complicated world of finance. Yeah, well, I certainly appreciate that. And and yeah, I mean, for sure. It's the world of money is 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 
can always be a confusing thing. And particularly right now, we're having this conversation on June 1st and there's still so much uncertainty with, with COVID, even though it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like we're talking much about COVID right now. Um, but the market doing what the market's doing and, and who knows what it's going to be doing in the future. And so I think people are always, always needing, needing help there. Um, mm-hmm. When you talk about, you know, helping people find financial independence for the folks that you're talking to and, and, and for you also, what do, what do you think that really means? Financial independence, in my opinion, is when work becomes optional. Um, you know, we, we really have a philosophy here at BFG where we, we don't encourage clients to, when they retire, to, you know, really just completely hang up the cleats and, and call it a day. Um, you know, financial independence is really when you no longer have to work to sustain your lifestyle. Uh, and if you choose to volunteer or do some sort of work in some capacity after you officially quote unquote retire, I mean, that's the ultimate goal is to uh, work for fun and to do the things that you enjoy doing, whether that's, you know, back in the office. And, and if you're especially, uh, you know, familiar with the things that you like to do every day and you want to continue doing them, that's totally up to you. But, or that could be hanging out with your family and, and helping them achieve their goals and objectives as well. So it's a wide variety, a wide spectrum of things really is what, what I would consider uh, financial independence. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's something that I think I certainly aspire to and, 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 and probably most people do. So now when, when you're talking to younger people, like you said mm-hmm. that you've been at this for six years, so, um, when you're talking to people who are who are millennials, who are in their thirties, and even whatever the next generation after that are, that's kind of an abstract thing, right? It's hard for I'm, I'm 41. It's hard for me to 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 think about when I'm 65, right, and retired. But even harder when I was that age. So how how do you have conversations with 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 folks who are at that stage of life, who are in their 20s? Sure. So it's it's really all about getting started. Uh, I think a lot of people, especially when they're fresh out of college. They go straight into their first job if they're if they're lucky and they get, you know, their employee benefits handbook and their 401k information and they sort of, at least in my experience, don't necessarily know what they're signing up for um, or what benefits that they have available to them. So first and foremost, in my mind, as a as a relatively new person to the workforce, it's important to understand those things because ultimately not only are you most likely paying for them, but your employer is as well, and you want to take advantage of those of, of those things as best you can. Um, and just with regards to financial planning, the sooner you start, the, the better off you will be in the long run. Um, and that goes for planning in general, I think, across the board. But it's it's good to be organized. It feels good um, to know you know what your goals and objectives are, and to know that there is a path to get there, and to understand that. Yeah, no, it totally does. And uh, I remember when I was when, when I was a very young man, I used to play with GI Joe guys, and like the the, the tagline was uh, "Knowing is half the battle." And I think that if you can educate somebody and just give them that knowledge of, "Hey, you got this four hundred one k at work. I know that it's not really top of mind for you, but here's how it does work, and here's mm-hmm. why you need to be using it." Then you really do empower people to you know be in position to make that decision. It doesn't mean that they are, <laughs> and, and and you can't right. force somebody. But just really positioning somebody, because we all know, you know, geez, I really wish I'd been saving since I was one year, you know, since I was a baby, because I'd have way more money. But it's better to start at twenty. It's better to start at thirty than 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 to wait. Mm-hmm. So it's really, I, I guess, it's always. I, I'm always curious to to know how how you're successful at 
inspiring that action and getting people to to take that long term view, even though you know they're they're only twenty five, for example. Sure. Uh, I think one of the easiest examples, especially for people who are just starting off, who are questioning, you know, is it really worth putting money away in my 401k or not? Um, because really, I mean, I, I can totally appreciate the the desire to spend that hard earned money uh, right away on, sure. on fun stuff. Um, but at the same time, you know, when you really do take a closer look, I think one of the most uh, most common things that you'll find is that just by contributing a little bit to your 401k, oftentimes your employer will offer some sort of match. Um, and if you're not doing that, you're sort of leaving money off the, on the table there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, m- most typically you'll see if you for, for a 401k, if you contribute the first 6% of your salary, your employer will match 3%. Well, that's a 50% return on your money just by putting it in the account. So, you know, that, that those are the easy things that if you can just Get in the habit from the start, inch it up little by little, year after year, not necessarily put the pedal to the metal right away, um, but get started on the right foot. Uh, That will work wonders. uh, And years over the course of several years, you'll see um, how much money you'll end up putting away along with the employer money that you'll put away and much more than you would have otherwise. Yeah, right. I mean, it's free money. And that sometimes I feel like that sounds trite to people, but it's the reality. And yeah, you know, if you put in six and you get three, that's a 50% return. Or if you put in three and you get three, that's a hundred percent return. And that's, that's so compelling. It's just a Mm -hmm. different way to frame it. Say, listen, you know, you don't need to put in 20% right now. Eventually you want to try to get there. But as we're getting started, you won't even miss 3% or 6%. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then there's always the, the finer details, you know, if you choose traditional or Roth. And most often times, uh, people my age, millennials, unless you're in the highest of tax brackets, it's probably going to make more sense to put away after-tax money uh, in a Roth account just because you have all of those years of compounded growth uh, to build up a tax-free bucket of money. Um, but every situation is different. Uh, no single recommendation uh, works for everyone. So, you know, you really have to dig deep and, and understand what's specifically available to you. Yeah, no, and that's that that's such an important thing right there because it's hard enough to understand just how the four hundred one k works, or should I be contributing and how much, and then getting into that the deeper nuance about after tax or pre tax contributions. And yes, I think that you're spot on, and obviously it's it's it depending on everybody's personal situation but if you have the ability to make a Roth style contribution after tax contribution then i think long term it will really serve younger people and all, mm-hmm. all people certainly so i think that that's excellent um how how are you finding that that um that millennials are 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 feeling about financial technology different apps really automating finance Sure. Uh, I think that is a big interest to millennials, for sure, to have everything located in one place. Uh, Personally, at at work, uh, we use a a program called eMoney. It's a great tool that allows you to aggregate all of your data in one place. Um, So not only your investments, your 401ks, your bank accounts, but also your liabilities. It's also you know, important to incorporate all of that information. If you have a mortgage on your home, um, if you have student loans, that's a big thing for a lot of people uh, that are millennials, just to understand really how that works and how best to go about paying those down 
Um, so, you know, in, in terms of the, the apps, I think what they do a great job of is really creating a picture of everything rather than viewing each of each item as an individual silo. You're really able to see the aggregated plan and how it's all working together a lot better uh, than just typical pen and paper. Yeah, and that, that's not really hard to use, right? Just probably mm-hmm. requires a little bit of work up front uploading everything. Or yes, entering. exactly. Yep, it's as long as you have your usernames and passwords for your various sites, as you know, if it's Bank of America or what have you, uh, it's fairly easy. Yeah, and, and and what about automating? I think that's from from my experience, being able to to take my hands off the wheel if it's bill pay or, or direct deposit or whatever. That's that's such a valuable thing. Absolutely, uh, I think you know, out of sight, out of mind. That, that that story still holds true to this day. If you can create some sort of automation either with your savings or your payments towards debt um i think you'll find a lot of value in that because it's not it's not you're avoiding forcibly you know choosing where to allocate your funds um each time the more decisions you have to make the harder the more roadblocks you're going to have if you can set up automations things will happen behind the scenes and and i think you'll end up better out uh in the long run yeah, I think that that's a really important thing. This idea of the more decisions that I need to be making, <laughs> it doesn't really set myself. It doesn't set me up for success because we have so much on our plate already these days. Between just just everything, our smartphones, our our, our computers, just social media, and this, that, and the other thing. And so, yeah, the more we can take off our plate, really, really increases our odds of being successful in whatever area, but certainly with money because. Mm-hmm. We are so, I mean, emotions play such a huge role, so automating takes a lot of that away. Absolutely. And specifically on the investment side, by automating your investments, you remove basically all of the the luck and timing um, that you would otherwise have if you were to do it, you know, periodically on your own. So a lot of people, you know, especially with the market volatility that we've seen recently, I've gotten a lot of questions from clients saying, you know, is now a good time to to buy in the market. Well, I would argue that it's always a good time. Yeah. Um, but you know, to time anything I think is a mistake. Uh, really my philosophy is just continue to buy if you can. Um, but make sure that you don't, that you maintain that emergency fund, especially right now that there's nothing more critical than maintaining the emergency fund. But if you have the cash flow, create an automatic investment plan, um, just like your 401k. If, you, if you've already maxed that out or if you're looking for another sort of uh, investment vehicle, Automatic investment plans are, are fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's it, it, it's it's such a great point right there because that's that's what we're doing. If we are making contributions to our four hundred one k, we're buying when the market's good. We're buying when the market's down, and over time, that has the effect of of lowering the average cost per share. And there's no reason you can't be doing that into whatever else, right? A five twenty nine plan, a brokerage account, an IRA. So exactly, it's just getting that set up and. And also going into an emergency fund. I think that's such a, I mean, if, if anything, the, this, the last however many months we've been going through us has taught us that we need to have enough cash on hand, have an emergency fund. So, Absolutely. How do you talk to clients about that? Is it, you know, get to a year, three months, six months? It, does it depend? It's, it's different for everyone. Um, you know, that, that sometimes you based on a single family or a single income earner household versus a two income earner household that may be different. Um, it's also uh, dependent on risk tolerance too. Some people just like to have 
that sleep at night fund um, in, in their bank account to make sure that if if a catastrophic event happened, they, they are covered. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I would say to at least have three months worth of your fixed expenses set aside in, in a savings account, I think is wise, just in case uh, stuff turns haywire. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> just in case something else happens in 2020. So exactly. So we have Ugh. no idea what's what's going to happen in 2020. Anyway, well, Zach, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, my tip for everyone out there is to make a list. Uh, and that, the reason being is because the people who make lists for the items that they have to do, their, their tasks or whatever that may be, are 84% more likely to complete them. That is a huge difference. Um, so just by the, very easily making a list, go, getting back to that pen and paper or even just making a note on your phone, um, you're way more likely to succeed uh, versus just, you know, going off the top of your head. So uh, if you know, if you can identify your your action items and you know what you have to do in your head, write it down. It will increase the likelihood of them getting done um, and hopefully will uh, prove successful uh, years to come. Well, like that is great stuff. That definitely gets Come on. Come on. 84% <laughs> more likely to actually happen. So, I mean, gosh. There's so much, so much data and wisdom out there that says, think about what you want or have to do, write it down. Yet so many of us, including myself, you know, resist that. So take out a pen, get a piece of paper, write down what it is you're trying to do, and you will probably get it done. I love it. Well, Zach, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Well, you can learn more about me at our website at bfgfa.com. You can also search for BFG Financial Advisors on social media, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, we're pretty much everywhere, so uh, happy to hear from you. Love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Zach your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to bfgfa.com and then find BFG Financial Advisors all over the internet. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Zach. Thanks, George. Have a great day. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it, and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course, and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show.